Welcome along to episode 51 of the From the Valley podcast here on a Friday afternoon, the 7th of June 2019. We've got the lovely Kate Wilson from Six Social uh, Media. Uh, Sync Social, sorry, uh, on the podcast no. today. Welcome along, Kate. It is Sync Social Media, but yes, hey, thanks for having me. No worries, thanks for agreeing to come on. And mm. um, I guess a bit about the rundown, what we sort of do with these podcasts. We like to, it's a bit, it's it's about you today. So it's a bit about finding out about Kate. Um, obviously, if you've uh, been in in our networking group, groups such as the Kedron Brook Business Group, you probably know Kate quite well. Uh, very prominent in that group. <laughs> probably an MC a couple of times a year as well at least uh about once a year and yeah. I've spoken I think every year so far so yeah. yeah and there's always different things that you're involved in in the hierarchy there so <laughs> um very good at uh at networking as well so um and that's how we met we met uh, through the Kedron Brook Business Group um uh, probably about four or five years ago now yeah it'd be going on four years because i started coming along just after i started my business and that was four years ago wasn't it yeah i was celebrated the fourth birthday so, start of may and we'll talk about i guess the journey as far as um going out on your own and i guess some of the, the uh, difficulties that presents compared to to previously uh, so tell us a bit about early life. Whereabouts were you born, Kate? I was actually born in Brisbane and spent the first five years of my life living in Spring Hill. And then my parents packed us up and moved out to Peachester, which no one ever knows where it is, but it's kind of between Mullaney, Woodford and Bewer. Mm. And Sounds so, like it's a nice place. I've never been there. but uh, uh, It's it's very beautiful. It's very green, but it still kind of has the shop because yep. there's only one and the fruit shop. And yep. I think there's a cafe now and right. that's about it. It hasn't grown. It hasn't changed since my parents moved there in 1990. So <laughs> it's a tiny town. Tiny town, but uh, certainly well known by some people, I guess, obviously your family. What was the population? Oh, I think now, and I don't think it's changed yeah. much, um, it's, you know, 1,200 people yeah, okay. in Peachester, yeah. and that's spread out. Like, the yeah. school has under 100 students. Yeah. So um, how, how long of your sort of young life were you living in Peachester? I was there my whole school career. So and high school? Where did yeah. you go to high school? High school, I went to Biwa High. Yeah. Um, so Great place. So how far is a drive from Peachester? Uh, it's a 10-kilometre drive. and there's so it's not that far from there. No, no. And yep. there's the Peachester Range, which is quite famous if you ride a motorcycle because yep. it's 30 bends in three kilometres. So you can imagine catching the school bus, you know, up and down that range every single day, you know, going from side to side. Um, you know, it's there's no public transport in Peachester. So unless your parents drive you as a kid, you're basically stuck in the town. Yep. Um, which is not the greatest, but... Did you ever ride your bike to school at all? Oh, no, no. I actually didn't learn to ride a bike until I was 14 and a half. So, because okay. I did gymnastics and that just, you know, was everything growing up. So, okay. didn't learn to so swim, a, didn't learn to ride a bike. So, so <laughs> gymnastics, was that the sort of number one sport, I guess, of choice as a youngster? Yeah, I saw it as, I think it was like five, um, maybe younger. We were still living in uh, Brisbane when... I saw it on the TV and I was like, that's what I want to do. And I started going to a tiny little club in Biwa. And then after about a year, I had potential. So mm. I moved. We started going to Marucci Beach Gymnastics Club. So we'd drive, you know, the 45 to an hour <laughs> minute journey. Um, by the end, it was like five days a week, you know, driving up to Marucci Door, three hours of training, eat dinner yep. in the car on the way home from gymnastics and then yep. on weekends traveling to competitions so it was crazy life <laughs> it sounds like a crazy life um and what did what, what did you think of school growing up as a kid did you enjoy learning stuff at school oh yeah you? i was um a little miss chronic overachiever so i was a, a grade student i you know, as I said, did a lot of gymnastics. I, When I stopped doing gymnastics, I started doing uh, triathlons. So I was always, you know, running training or swimming training and learning to ride a bike. Um, I then had multiple jobs, but I was also still involved in the school musical. And, you know, I started a school newspaper. You know, I just yeah. was kind of that kid um, who did everything and did pretty well at everything. Did you have lots of, I guess I'm just guessing you had lots of friends growing up. As well. uh, no, I... 
I, I, I had a lot of friends, um, I, that's true, but I wasn't, you know, I certainly was bullied at certain stages to the point where... Yeah, I think we all get bullied, yeah. Yeah, well, I, we actually, I did homeschooling for two years in grade six and seven um, okay. because the primary school was so bad um, and the bullying, you know, it's a very small school, uh, so you can't yeah. get away from it. So, yeah. um, you know, fortunately, my parents were in a position that, you know, they could actually pull me and my younger sister out of school. And yep. then so we did you know a correspondence schooling which would actually only take us about an hour a day and then you know we had the rest of the day to play and then go to gymnastics that evening so yeah that sort of became our like socialization was through gymnastics and yeah. yeah but those two years actually um you know, picked up my, um, in particular, there was things like English that we just hadn't been taught through the state school system. And that, I guess, put me in that position where I was an A-grade student in high school. If I hadn't done those two years, I probably would have struggled. Certainly to start off with, yeah. So back, obviously we're doing it, I think high school started in year eight back in those days and eventually it's changed to uh, year year seven seven now. So, um, and then, uh, so once you sort of got to the end of high school, uh, what do you? What, I guess what what were you sort of thinking about what your career aspirations might be? I guess when you were doing sort of year eleven and twelve. I was really lucky because I think I was about eleven when I decided I wanted to be a journalist. So when you're eleven years old. Eleven yeah. years okay. old. Yeah. So um, you know, unlike a lot of my friends, you know, I actually you know, went through high school knowing this is what I want to study. I want to study this at university, which means I need to do these things. You know. Um, and it, it made it really easy because it was yep. just, I'm going to be a journalist. So, yep. you know, I started a school newspaper. You know, I studied the subjects that I needed. I got into the university course. I just did the university course. And then yep. then came the hard part, which was finding a job as a journo. So, yeah. So when you first started out, was it fairly hard to get to get into something work-wise when it, as a journalist? Because obviously that was your passion. Yeah, it what, was. Tell us about the first ever job, you know, once you sort of, left year 12 well when I was um well once I left university because so, I went straight yeah. to uni yeah. um yeah so I what uni did you go to was QUT. QUT so yeah. um it's got a really good practical based journalism project <laughs> yeah um you know it's the degree there is very practical yeah. so you know um back in the day uh, QUT actually had a news broadcast on Briz 31. So, you know, you actually had that real experience of going out, interviewing people, doing a piece to camera, cutting a package together, and then it would go on the news that night. Where often journalism courses are like, you've got two weeks to write a news story. And in the real world that I worked in, at least, you definitely never have two weeks to do anything. Um, You know, it's a lot busier than that. So that gave that real experience and they also uh, lined us up, well, some of the students with internships. So I did an internship at Channel 7, mm. uh, which was a fabulous opportunity because, you know, um, K. McGrath made me a cup of tea Is on this my first still day. an undergraduate? Or? Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. At, still at uni, um, mm-hmm. final year. And, yep. you know, I met Powderfinger while I was there, so that was cool too. But, you know, yep. you also got to... I don't think anything I did went to air, but I met people and then out of that I got recommended for a job as a production assistant on a documentary, uh, which was like a news doco run out of Channel 7. Yeah. And then from that, um, you know, I sort of thought that's what I wanted to do was go into TV Mm. and it just never really happened for me, but I fell into a job at a newspaper at Budrum and then from there print journalism was the way I went. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and what was the name of that newspaper at a Budrum? Uh, so, the Budrum one was the Budrum Chronicle, okay. uh, which is now owned by is a... Is that fairly much a local style? Yes. Yep. Tiny, free newspaper that... Distribution all over the Sunshine Coast? No, or? no, just Budrum. So, basically, yeah. it was like for the Budrum Postcode, okay. um, which is still, you know, Budrum, Kaluan, Mountain Creek, Budrum's Sippy... quite big, yeah. Yeah, Sippy Downs. Like, we covered that yep. area. Um, and we had a really high readership um, back when it was an end independent paper uh apn actually tried to shut it down by you know well, putting yeah. a, a rival into the market uh in the end they actually ended up buying the budroom chronicle and i think they've now merged the weekly and the chronicle but yep. by then i'd already left and moved to bundaberg so to work for the news came out how often back when you were there it was a weekly yep. newspaper yep. so i mean we wouldn't do 
crime necessarily, you know, like hardcore crime. We might do something about graffiti. Um, You know, we wouldn't – we do local politics matters, um, you know, and some state politics or federal if it affected the Budrum area. But, you know, it wasn't hard-hitting news. It was a lot of – being Budrum, a lot of 100 birthday celebrations (laughs) and, you know. Yeah. All right, I'm just – writing a couple of things just to remember to, to yep. talk things to talk about that are coming to my mind as we speak um yeah so that so that was uh, and then after that what what where did you sort of go after that particular uh, job with so me? after the budroom chronicle i moved on to bundaberg and i started working for the news mail like queensland yep 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 top of wide bay yep, yep. kind of central yeah, <laughs> um lower central yeah it's yep. Um, so that was a weekly newspaper, and then I. Um, so what was the name of that one? That was the Bundaberg News Mail, yeah, okay. um, and it's an interesting place to work, Bundaberg. Um, I did all the crime reporting as well as the politics, so I guess I kind of dealt with the most interesting people in Bundaberg too. Mm. Um, you know, we did a lot of car crashes, a lot of mm. fatal house fires. You know. Um, Unfortunately, with the roads up there, that's definitely a thing that happens a lot. Um, And then, I mean, the local council that I covered, which no longer exists, but was the Burnett Regional Council, was also a very interesting council in that their final ever council meeting had a punch up. So, (laughs) you know, it was um, good fodder for journalism up there. Um, Okay. So um, I guess how old were you when you sort of first became really interested in the nature of politics and uh, and what was you know how, how that sort of had an effect on you know obviously the, the everyday life of Australia and the world. Um, I actually don't know because my parents, while like they still to this day wouldn't tell me who they vote for, they very much exposed us to really really that's a it's pretty rare yeah that you have yeah se- you have secretive parents usually most uh, you know it's people vote the way their parents do i mean when it comes to family it's fairly you know the wilshire Mm. family it's fairly clear who votes for who it it just it's everyone is fairly public i guess with and everyone wants to Mm. know if if you don't tell them that you know they're going to keep getting grilled until you until you you know I say which way you're vividly you're remember um i i don't know i must have been primary school age it was the election where john hewson was trying to introduce gst the birthday cake yes the birthday now you know i was exposed to news around you know my parents didn't sort of hide the news from us so i definitely had that understanding and i remember yep. being quite like mum who did you vote for did you vote for john hewson and well, she just want to know, yeah. yeah and you know i'm a kid and this is the first sort of yep. you know election i've understood and a mum was very much like no it's a secret i don't have to tell you that <laughs> and you know to this day you know obviously ha- having since worked in politics you know it, it comes up a lot but yeah i couldn't tell you who my parents vote for i do know who my sisters vote for because yeah. they're a lot more open yeah and um, there's three of us, and surprisingly, in the family, you know, I tend to vote conservative. My older sister votes Labor, and my younger sister votes Green. So we've very different. we all cancel each other out, I guess. So. Very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess um, I didn't get in. I didn't intend to get involved in politics. My sister yeah. actually, my older sister actually studied it, and I sort of picked up a lot well she studied american politics at university and i picked up a lot from that so that's an, it would have been an interesting thing to really study in american politics yeah well i mean she did it as it was one of her electives with a ancient history degree so yeah. you know she had that combination of you know the greeks setting yeah. up you know their whole political mm-hmm. system and then you know the american influence and she's the kind of person who just sort of shares information and then via osmosis you yeah. know i know all this stuff about like how the Kennedy brothers are essentially the same as the Gracchi brothers from ancient Greek and Greece and you know I don't even know how I know that stuff except Melina taught me um but yeah I I actually didn't intend to leave journalism and go into politics I was just approached by the local member and um I was Was that up in Bundaberg yeah that was in Bundy um yeah I'd basically got to the point where I was pretty burnt out from you know covering so many nasty car crashes and you know talking to the family afterwards Mm. and 
doing all of the lovely journalism stuff that I did. So um, when Jack Dempsey offered me a job, I took it and whole new career sort of started from there. Mm. So how, how long ago was that? Uh, that would have been 2008, I think. Yeah, 2008 because um, I was with Jack until we got him re-elected in 2009 and then uh, a few months after that, I was approached to move to the... And that was a state election? Yeah, state election. Jack, yeah. MC, yeah. yeah, back then he was the member for Bundaberg. Yep. Um, then lost his seat in the 2015 election and now he's right. the mayor of Bundaberg. So He's the mayor of Bundaberg. Yes. Okay. And one wow. of the most popular elected mayors in the state. So he um, did very well at the state. So you keep fairly good contact with him since... Uh, yeah, for every now and then, um, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of, you know, he knows if he ever needs, he can give me a call and vice mm. versa. But, yeah, I'm pretty bad at staying in touch with people. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So that was 2008 um, and that's sort of in your in your mid-20s or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and basically you'd sort of gone away from journalism. Had you still doing journalism in, around that sort of time as well or...? No, no. So once I switched... Um, from journalism to politics, I was a yeah. media advisor. Um, so, you know, I guess I was kind of working in the same space, but, you know, obviously pushing certain policies and, uh, you know, the politicians that you work for. Um, so, yeah, it sort of kills off any journalism, mm. but you do enough writing. Yeah, so, and then tell, tell us, I guess, from how did you sort of move back to this part of the world from Bundaberg? Tell us a bit about that story. Uh, so after, yeah, um, the, in 2009, um, I got approached by the opposition office, which is, you know, the office of, you know, staff that support the opposition leader in the state parliament. And they're also the Liberals, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was the – they were the LNP at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, John Paul Langbrook was the leader and yes. yeah, I got uh, asked to come down to Brisbane and, you know, um, apply for a job as a media advisor. Mm-hmm. And there was only four media advisors in that team of about 20 people. Um, when you consider the Premier's office has an allocation of four to – six or seven media staff themselves you know yep. it's it's a huge job uh, in opposition um you know you don't have the same expectations but at the same time you definitely don't have the same resources um and so i did that uh until campbell newman rolled john paul langbrook and then i found myself working in the lmp for um the campaign for the 2012 election campaign just doing social media. Yeah. So that was the other career change. Did you find it? I mean, I found it very interesting at the time that, I mean, Campbell was a really, uh, you know, fairly successful Lord Mayor of Brisbane mm. over a decade of, of Lord Mayorship pretty much, pretty close to a decade. I don't know if it was quite a decade. but I think it's 13 years. Was it was it actually, long, was yeah, it? it was a long it was, time. Because um, when did, uh, when I, he wasn't the mayor, he was... He was, I think he became the mayor in about 2002 or something like that from my, my memory. Uh, it wasn't when I was in... It was definitely wasn't in 2000. It was like a year or two. Yeah, actually, no, I think you're right. It might be 13 years in total, you know, including the time he did in state government. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, because I think you're about... That's about right, 2002 yeah. through to... So what I found... what I was sort of, The point I was sort of raising here is it became really interesting to me at the time, um, being in Queensland probably about a decade at that stage... Um, that a guy, yes, very successful here, but wasn't wasn't on the scene at all when it came to state politics. As far as being a you know sitting member, or, you know, mm. was able to just jump in and become the leader of the state team. I mean, what did you think of that? Well, I mean, the commentators at the time said it was a crazy brave move. You know, it had never been done before. Yeah. Um, it was the first time. So yeah, it certainly took everyone by surprise. Um, from a personal point of view, um, this is where being a staffer is quite difficult because, yep. you know, you spend your whole life, they come first, you know. Yeah, course, so yeah. if someone makes a mistake, nine times out of ten, it's the staffer that falls on their sword, you know, where they can, <laughs> you know, to cover the mistake. You know, everything you do is about making them look good. Everything yep. you're doing, you know, is about... Um, you know, minimising the damage uh, for the politicians. And so I was working for John Paul Langbrook and 
we'd come through, you know, things were looking bad for the Bligh government. Then the 2011 floods happened and, you know, Anna Bligh had that surge of popularity that came, you know, from the floods because they did do a good job. Mm. And, you know, that's when I guess the, the faceless men of the LNP started to get, you know, a bit nervous about JP, that JP wouldn't actually win the election. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so there was machinations going on behind the scenes about getting Campbell in because I thought that was the only person who could actually get them across the line. Now, this isn't filtering back necessarily to the staff. You know, you know that there's a lot of pressure to, you know, make JP do well. And, I mean, the hours I worked and... You know, you really feel like you you give your all to try and save this guy's job. Mm. And then, you know, Campbell just walked out the front of Suncorp Stadium, gave a press conference and I'm I'm doing it. And initially the response from, you know, the opposition office was, well, you know, no, we're fighting this. And then by about two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, like it had all become apparent what was happening and that he didn't have the support of the party and, you know, yep, yeah. yeah, and then JP stepped down yeah. and um, that night I got the drunkest I've ever gone. <laughs> so, it sort of must have been a bit sad for JP though. Yeah, it, it was very sad. I mean, it's, it's one of those, you know, revisionist things. Some people say, oh, JP would have won that election. I would have done, you know. Maybe I have to admit what what Campbell did by coming in was it was a circuit breaker and, you know, you had to remember that the um, conservative side of politics had only been in power for two of the previous 20 years and, you know, there were policies that, you know, were sort of stuck to us, you know, there was a lot of, you know, uh, water under the bridge where Campbell came along you know, circuit breaker, we start fresh, this is how it goes. And it changed the narrative. It stopped being, you know, about Tim Nichols is coming after JP, J, you know, like yeah. JP can't do it. Oh, you promised this, you promised yeah. that, and just gave you a fresh, clean slate. And the other thing it did was instead of, um, you know, because I worked on the whole campaign, <laughs> that was the other thing, you know, despite being very disappointed for JP. Mm. Um, you know, I got offered the job in LNP headquarters and I started working for Campbell yeah. and I was Campbell on social media within yeah. about two weeks. I'd never met him before then. That's pretty crazy. Isn't so it? it is. It's it's a crazy, crazy world. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we got there in the end. We won the election and then the other crazy stuff happened. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, and, uh, and obviously three years... Well, not quite. Not quite. Yeah. Three years. He called the election early. Got it wrong. Got got ousted. Really. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting times. But uh, so being being social media, yeah, being the, the I guess the the person behind the computer, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's obviously would have been uh, something that you would have. Uh, tell us how it guess felt when you know in those early sort of times of doing that, and then I guess a little just a little bit about how it sort of toward the end where, you know, as, as things were coming out the door? Just... Um, well, it was different for me because, um, you know, so the Newman government, I, I don't think anyone would disagree with the fact that, you know, it picked fights with a lot of different groups in the community. Um, you to, know, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was a lot of changes that came in that upset yep. people and not always done in the best way or not explained in the best way. Um Campbell would make an announcement, people would get upset. You know, that would play out in the media for about two, three days. Yep. It would play out on social media for about six weeks yep. to a year. Yep. Um, some of the m- most unpopular things like the change to civil unions, uh, to registered relationships yep. for, you know, that was the state equivalent of gay marriage at the yep. time. Um, you know, a year later, I was still having people, you know, just constantly posting negative stuff on social media about it. And, you know, they're allowed to have their say. You know, I was, I never deleted comments just because they were negative. Um, you know, I would respond to people. I know people found it frustrating at times too because they're like, well, look at all these people yeah. saying this so on guess, social um, media. 
more about so you know, we, that's that's some examples I guess of some of the things that you know that yeah. obviously had to deal with but how did that affect you sort of you know uh, emotionally and mentally I often joke that you have to be a sociopath to do yeah. the job um you know I like Campbell you know I'm friends with Lisa you know his wife um, lovely wife yeah. yeah lovely I mean sure. look Campbell's not like he's made out to be either no, he's, he's a really nice guy yeah. um and so you know Obviously, if he was reading some of – because some of the criticism and then particularly the criticism targeted at Lisa was, you know, absolutely feral. And most people never saw this stuff because it was the stuff that would never make it onto the page because it would be caught out by, you know, the swear words and filtering. But, um, you know, there was some stuff that occasionally I was like, wow. But I think, you know, you have to have that thick skin so that – and almost find it funny, which is terrible. <laughs> but, you well, know, you have to. Time, don't you? Because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk now about the effects of mental health on people that monitor and, you know, run communities on social media. But back yeah. then it wasn't yeah. sort of something uh, that people talked about. But it was it was hard going a lot of the time. You know, you just, particularly when, um, say, the bikies legislation happened oh, yeah. and... Um, You know, just day after day. Um, Like I explain it to people that, you know, I used to have my monitor sitting there and right next to my monitor I had a corkboard and pinned onto that was the number that I had to call um, whenever there was a death threat. And I probably used that number at least once or twice a week. Um, And we didn't even bother to report most, you know. A different money on Campbell or on somebody else? On Campbell, on yep. Lisa, yep. on one memorable occasion, myself. Yeah, um, they, found out. they found out who I was. They um, created a fake Kate Wilson profile, which used my so um, my profile photo. So it looked like me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the kind of hilarious thing they did then yep. was jump onto Campbell's Facebook page and start responding to people just like I used to as Premier's team under the page um, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And well. So- yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So Kate Wilson was suddenly responding to people, but Kate Wilson was responding to people in a very rude and dismissive way. And Jared Blay, who was at the time the uh, Attorney General, saw it, thought I'd lost the plot, yeah. and uh, actually, you know, had someone do a welfare check on me because they thought that you know I'd finally cracked yep. it. So, <laughs> but yeah, fun times. Yeah, fun times. So, and then I guess, when when did you sort of make the decision to be, when that was sort of coming to an end, when did you sort of make the decision to say, look, I really want to go out and do my own thing now. I want to, I've got this, I love so, I I want to be able to be a professional, you know, because you've been a lot of experience, journalism, Mm. you've been to uni, you've had the whole political thing, you've got the, you've you've been doing that as a job, um, you know, acting as the premier. What sort of made you then decide, oh, well, I want to go out and help small businesses in particular with their social media because, you know, I'm an expert here. You know, when did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? I didn't. Um, <laughs> I lost my job in the 2015 election. But then you have to decide to do something. What made you decide oh, to do that? So I took three months after that off, um, which yep, I, I very much needed. And I was actually looking to get work with another business doing social media. But I was in a weird spot because I had... I didn't have agency experience um, and then I was too experienced for a lot of other things on offer. You know, they were looking for, you know, more junior roles. And um, it was actually Campbell approached me and he knew someone who needed someone to do some social media and website work for them and I could do that. Yeah, well, you know, he sort of gave me the nudge and that was my first client and then along the way, um, you know, when I did social media for the government, I used to send out an email to about, you know, 200-odd staff every single day. Yeah, so you know, it was fairly well connected. Well, you know, when you send that email out every day for a year, you get to the point where these people that have all just lost their jobs and are now moved out all over the, you know, Australia and some internationally, whenever they think social media, they think of the person that sent them that email every day for a year so um you know through that i've had a lot of recommendations and contacts and that's helped me sort of pick up um various clients and it's gone from there so but yeah it wasn't actually a a thing that i thought i would do sort of fell into it a bit definitely which is 
pretty much after, you know, besides knowing I wanted to be a journalist, I fell into politics, I fell into social media, and now I fell into running my own business. And what do you think, I guess, if someone's sort of in a position, I guess, we can't say it's your exact position, but a position <laughs> where they've sort of been, you know, working in for, in government organisations or, or something like that, and they need uh, a change and, and go out and, and, and be their own boss, um, I guess... Uh, what have you? What are, what are the good things that you've sort of uh, had about you know obviously going out by yourself? What, what are the things that you say? Well, I'm I'm so glad because of that. Well, I mean, from the staffer point of view, you know, I said they come first. Well, suddenly I get to put myself or my clients at least first. You yeah. know, so that is sort of probably the biggest change. Uh, I also don't miss the bureaucracy and the meetings and uh, you know I mean there's a lot of structures in government which Mm. probably have a place maybe I mean it's Mm. well-intentioned but um, yeah I do not miss any of that at all but um, the flip side of course is you know you come out of a, a structure where you know, I mean, particularly the Queensland Public Service is quite heavy with people doing specific tasks. Um, and then, you know, you start working for yourself, you know, particularly for me, I'm just solo operator. So, you know, I had to learn how to do my books. I had to learn how to, you know, I mean, I have a pretty broad skill set to start with, but, you know, I see it with some of my clients, you know, they need to learn to do a bit of social media because they can't afford to just have a social media person all the time. You know, they need to learn to, to, yeah, yeah. You know, you have to have that broad skill set. And I think that's the biggest change if you come out of, you know, either big companies or big, you know, government structures is suddenly there's not all those support people or someone to just do that for you. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. So, um, social, yeah. So, social media is obviously what. Sync, so, tell us a bit about Sync Social. Where did the name come from? And uh, I guess where do you think you're going to be taking Sync Social, Sync Social in the future, where it's different to what's currently happening? Um, I so Sync comes from. I was trying to come up with a name for ages, and you know, I knew it had to be unique enough that you can actually get you know thinksocialmedia.com or thinksocial.com um and five is my lucky number and sync is cinco is five in um in spanish i should say and so like that's literally where sync came from i liked the idea of you know sort of syncing in with things too which it suggests um and yeah so that's where the name came from um in terms of the services I offer, again, it's not some great master plan. I sort of fell into it. Um, you know, I had the graphic design skill set. I, I see you're pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I guess what my clients like is, you know, they can come to me and it's like I can do the social media, I can do the graphics, I can do the website, yeah. you know, and all of those things. I've, I mean, you know, I learned little parts of that. At, yeah university but social media didn't exist when i studied no. you know um i've self-taught my graphic design skills beyond the point i was at the same mm. for the website so you know it's really just about you know i can grow to what's needed yeah. in terms of where it's going um you know i i toy with the idea of employing somebody and you know sort of becoming an agency on my own and then at times I'm like oh no definitely not you know I'm quite happy being a solo operator Mm. um but then you know you look at things like passive income and other streams that you know you can start to get involved in to make it more sustainable particularly as you know life happens so I guess that you need to probably at some point you know you know challenge yourself you know in some way that's different from the norm as well yeah I mean I've sort of found to do that through um client work you know uh, I'll have people approach me with oh can you do this and you know sometimes it's like oh god can I do this but um you know that's how I found myself organizing a youth multicultural youth music festival one year um which definitely was a step outside of my comfort zone but it it worked it was Mm. it was good um they were happy so (laughs) I was stressed. Um, And then I've also done, uh, last year, I typeset a book for the first time for one of my clients who teaches people how to play bridge. And let me tell you, if you're going to typeset a book, do not start with something that has card symbols all the way through the book because it's 
very complicated and probably not the easiest place to start but the book's now out there it's all good and life's yep she's happy so talking about books would you ever write a book about yourself uh people have told me i should write a book about my dating stories but um (laughs) yeah probably not (laughs) i'm much more comfortable i guess sitting down with a beer and telling people stories yeah that's a fair fair assessment um certainly all of us have had some sort of dating stories i'm sure i mean yeah. I, I had some absolute disasters, but that's another podcast. So. No, that's, that's probably all we need to discuss relate about relationships so, <laughs> uh, or past relationships. Um, so I guess very. I mean, do you think that? I mean, the way you sort of got involved, even though you sort of haven't been in Brisbane all the time, that you've you know, obviously just in more recent times. But do you think this is just a really small place? It's a very small world, and it, you, you just know people that know people, and it's. You get that sort of thing, like you know, you obviously knew Trevor Evans quite well, and Trevor is now the Brisbane member. Yeah, well, I went to school um, with Brisbane you, uh, with and you, Trevor, and you went to school with him, um, and you and you just you know all these different people that you sort of come across. It's, it's yeah, it's become like really small world syndrome in Brisbane, and do you, obviously, do you enjoy living here as well? I do. I really enjoy living in Brisbane, and I think it's not just Brisbane. It's actually, I mean. Obviously, industry-wise, that happens too. You know, politics is quite a small industry. Mm. And it doesn't matter what side you're on. It's actually a small industry. Um, Journalism is a rapidly shrinking industry. So, um, but, you know, there's also connections everywhere. I mean, so many people um, in journalism or who went through journalism, went through Bundaberg. Um, It's a bit of a training ground. So, you know, the number of people I can watch the news with and I'm like, yep, I was in Bundaberg with them, I was in Bundaberg with them. You know, that person worked for the news mail, that one worked for ABC and Bundy. And so that sort of gives you that network too. You know, you've Mm -hmm. always got people in common. Um, But, yeah, Queensland and Brisbane in particular, it's a small town still. You don't burn bridges because you know you you run into people later and you're like oh yes you i remember you <laughs> yeah no, i always found you sort of i mean i've known you just over four years but i always mm. found you fairly fascinating with your personality and the way you sort of articulate yourself and you know the, obviously the obviously you you, you know I, I you know you, what you say that comes out of your mouth you believe it because you know you do it see it you know yeah i think um see it do it it's a little bit of the, the talk getting out of uh, politics you know in politics you're very guarded and you had to sell the party line and even as a staffer you know that sort of was an expectation and then actually getting out of it and you know I haven't gone back I've dabbled but um you know I've had people say oh you can't say that and it's like well I work for myself yeah my clients don't care about that so I can say what I want now (laughs) you know which is a very refreshing place to be but mm, fair enough. Um, what was I gonna so we had. Uh, I'm sure there's a few things there, but do you think um, we'll just talk polit- one pol- yeah, politi- political type <laughs> opinion? I guess. Um, obviously, we've got the state governments now, Labor, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you think? Uh, do you like Deb? Deb Frelington? Is she Frelington? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, I actually work with Deb. So yeah. um, she was an assistant minister. Um, in the Newman government, so I got to know her quite well. Um, Deb is, she's good. She's, you know, she's a country girl, but, you know, also studied, um, I think, at Ipswich, but, you know, close enough to the city. Um, you know, she's quite switched on, um, but she's also got a huge task um, to do in actually getting a pretty switched off electorate to pay attention and that's the problem with opposition you know is so hard to break through um and you know people are pretty burnt out by politics they're pretty um i guess complacent about things going wrong i mean you look at like the rail fail um situation you know where oops we don't have enough train drivers we have to cancel literally hundreds of services every week you know we're not back to full rail service yet and yet everyone's kind of like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Mm. You know, we'll just carry on. Um, and that's the hard part about opposition is actually making people care about that. Mm. Although I think they're starting to get a little bit of breakthrough. Yeah, I certainly hope that sort of Deb's breaking through. I mean, obviously the, the election did well in Queensland uh, when it came to Liberals. Well, that one's an interesting one because um, 
that's, you know, that's got a lot to do with obviously the opposition. And yeah, I mean, the actual, you know, you look at the reasons why Queenslanders voted um, Labor mm. and, you know, it was, I really think, a big, you know, Bob Brown should get uh, LMP life membership because, <laughs> you know, he, he right, like yeah. that, that tour really secured, you know, because, you know, Queenslanders don't like someone from Melbourne, Tasmania and down south coming up here and telling us what to do. And yeah. that's why they voted that way, which mm-hmm. is why it's really interesting that, you know, Anastasia has had this knee-jerk reaction and suddenly so. after, you know, pandering to her base, the people that vote for her that are anti-Adani and now mm. they're suddenly going, oh, crap, let's take action on Adani because, you know, Labor lost the, the federal election. Yeah, She's burning bridges. I mean, she's burning Jackie Trad like crazy doing this move. Wow. Um, you know, and I... I think it wasn't necessarily a well thought out plan, um, which does give the opposition an opportunity. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out toward the end of next year. Mm. Um, I guess you've always, you're talking about gymnastics before, you've always been fairly sporty. Um, You you obviously do a bit of exercise of running and stuff and you obviously make a, try to to sort of make a thing of that at the moment. Remember you went in the brook run a few times or a couple of times? Yeah, I've I haven't done as much as I used to. Um, yep. You know, I guess I got child athlete burnout sort of at you uni. Used to do athletics at, um, growing up at all? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was always a natural, you know, mid to long distance runner. And so when I quit gymnastics, I pretty much straight away, well, I learnt to swim, I learnt to ride a bike, but then um, I took up little athletics for the final year that I could actually do little athletics and then um you know I competed at state level in like the you know the 3000 and the 800 and the 1500 and yeah yeah I went to cross country every year I was in high school at state level um you know I was never exceptional but you know I was it's also very easy as a teenage girl if you get involved in sport later you sort of start to come into the sport as everybody else drops out. And, you know, I mean, I got a bronze medal for the 3,000 at the State Athletics Championships for schools. Wow, there was four people in the race. So, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like, it's easy to get excited. But, yeah, yeah, I, kept, I did lap the person that came last. But, you know, as I said, it's, it's an easy opportunity for yeah. Um, yeah. girls. But then, yeah, I got burnt out from that. And I try to stay fit, yeah. but... Yeah, it's okay, terrible. it's sort of an interesting question that I'm coming back to mm. now that I remember. Um, now, one of the, one of the places that I, because I mean, I know we, we've known each other for four mm. years, so one of the places I know that you're fond of when it comes to um, this area is Mount Kufa. Yeah. Okay. So Mount Kufa, and then the zip line, and all of that sort of stuff. What's your What's your stance on the zip line? Yes or no? I I struggle with the zip line because I've zip lined in um, Christchurch. Yeah, yep. obviously overseas and other yeah, in New yeah. Zealand and not Christchurch, sorry, Queenstown, Queenstown, in Queenstown, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I found a lot of the claims about the zip line. You know, it's going to be this loud and it's good, like that's rubbish. You yeah. don't even know that the zip line yeah. is there on the hill in um, Queenstown, but. Yep. You know, and I do see that Brisbane probably needs more tourist attraction things. But exactly. then, yeah. you know, I I quite like, you know, going for a walk on Mount Cutha. So I, I kind of had troubles with both sides of the campaign. But, I mean, I think the thing that I wanted to see the most was the, the main track that everyone walks up to the summit at Mount Cutha, you know, was really getting run down and, you know, like trip hazards everywhere. And it was, you know, it was not in good condition something you put there yeah. yeah well um i actually went and did it last weekend and couldn't walk up the summit track because it's currently under construction they're actually yeah. fixing it up and that's the kind of thing you know i think was needed more than a zip line yeah. um the parking situation there is terrible because on a sunday morning everybody goes to mount kutha to mm. either ride a bike go for yeah. a run go for a bush walk walk the dogs yeah. and i think that's where it's really valuable yeah. for the city yeah fair enough yeah so um and then, what, so what? Do you, and what's your take on um, the new? I'm just going to Adrian Schrinner. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Schrinner. I mean, he's um, he's come in and he's been fairly decisive of a couple of decisions early. Whereas I think um, Graham Quirk, as great as he was, um, sometimes it took a bit longer to make a decision. Maybe. 
I think, um, you know, Adrian has come in straight away. You know, I mean, obviously the zip line was the first thing and I think politically that was a smart move to scrap that because, you know, it, it wasn't a winner for them. Um, but he's also made a lot of really interesting announcements sort of with a real environment bent, you know. Um, Green, yeah. Yeah, that, it's a definite position, you know, like the scrapping of the one-use single plastic election wraps, um, yeah. you know, which – is just one policy so that comes of, to mind. Not a greeny sort of in <laughs> LNP. No, no. I think it's. Um, I mean, it's common sense stuff, though. Yeah, like, I yeah, mean, that that stuff. Is. You know, that plastic wrap. Yeah. Um, trust me, I hand it out for Trevor. Like, you know, there is a lot of it used on election day, and yeah. it doesn't get reused. You know, um, and yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing to ban that from council campaigns. Um, I'm really, really like um, some of the stuff they've talked about uh, with. Um, you know, limiting your cookie-cutter townhouses going into residential neighbourhoods um, and then also the announcement, I think, that came out this week about yeah, no, actually this, this requiring is, two parks yeah, for two-bedroom units. I've read this is online. This is very controversial. This is... Oh, I'm not... I mean, things will things will go by the wayside in some cases. Mm. I think this will probably go by the wayside, but I just thought it was quite interesting, that announcement, because you, you, see, you, t- see, it, you see that sort of argument. Both sides already... They're going to... One... one party's going to be not as happy and the other party's not going to be as happy as well. So where's the compromise there? Because you've got more expensive construction. Mm. First thing that comes to mind, more, you know, more expensive construction. Um, but then you've got maybe less cars being parked on the street, perhaps. So, so it's a bit of a... I live in the... Yeah. Well, I live in Orderly now, but I used to live in Newmarket. And yep. this is very much an area where, you know, one house would be knocked down and, you know... 10, units 14 yep. units would go in because they were you know, on the larger blocks. Yes. And, you know, when there wasn't enough parking allocated for that, you know, people do end up on the streets or, you know, parking the streets or, you know, visitor parking and, you know, having a disabled mother, you know, like it was a nightmare for mum to actually try to come to my place because, you know, there's literally no parking around. Mm. And, you know, I was in one of the first unit blocks in the area but you know across the road one house is gone and now there's you know 14 units in there and there's another 13 gone in up the street and you know it just gets to a point where um yeah i think developers are doing that themselves too though because when you're renting a two-bedroom place with somebody else and you both have a car you know who who misses out on the car park you know and where does the other car go you know because you know, we're not a city that's sort of set up mm. where you can do everything and, and then, you need to do okay, and then without the a car. The third argument is okay, our car's going to be around much longer with, you know, they're getting phased out. People own less cars per person. Uh, well, I guess there is some argument for that. I do know um, friends that, you know, well, don't have cars. they don't have cars. I mean, my sister has two children and doesn't drive. Mm. Yes. Um, so her partner does. So but there's, So there's only one car or. Uh, yeah, they've just got the one car yeah. and, um, you know, he's in the army so he's away a lot. So she actually, you know, just does the amazing public transport or walk thing which I'm just like, you're insane. How, how do you do that? But, I mean, I guess for me growing up in Peachester, you know, where we didn't have any option but to drive, yeah. I can't see me giving up a car anytime soon or yeah. even sharing it with someone because it's just – you know, if you want to get outside of that southeast Queensland bubble, if you yeah. want to get, you know, north of Chermside, mm-hmm. you really need a car. Like, it, it, there's just no options. So, yeah, for sure. Okay. Any, I think I've just about uh, come to the end. I guess what other um, things do you hold dear to your heart as far as, you know, uh, charitable causes and stuff like that? Uh <laughs> Put me on the spot. Um, I think I, I mainly save my passion for, you know, sort of the political spectrum of things. So, you know, I get quite passionate about policies. I do love that um, people often think, you know, oh, you're a conservative voter. There is no way that, you know, you could be passionate about, you know, certain health areas or, you know, yeah. um, you know, like the social side of things. And, you know, I'm very much like, you know, don't touch Medicare. You know, I'm quite progressive on social policies i just like financial stuff um so you know that's where i tend to put my energy at times um i also think you know 
well, A, I've kind of done my service uh, with eight years in state politics, but, you know, I'm a big believer in if you want to make change, you actually have to get involved and, like, you know, don't just don't just click a like on Facebook, don't just share a post, but actually get up, get out of your seat and do something. So, you know, I've worked with charities like um, QPast, which I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's a uh, group that works with um, refugees, you know, and some of the stories that, you know, you hear from these guys from out of Africa are just incredible. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've done some work with them and also the Women's Legal Service, which is a brilliant service set up for domestic violence okay. survivors. Probably two more things that come to mind then. That's it, yep. I reckon. <laughs> that uh, was two things ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Technology. So where do you, social media decade, it's pretty much, we know this has sort of been the social media decade. What's the mm. ne- Is the next decade going to be more of that or is something different, do you think? Ooh, um, I honestly can't tell you. I mean, obviously, like the cars, I'm not a futurist. Uh, I can't see big changes. I think the only thing you can guarantee with social media is that it will continue to change. But I also think Facebook has become so big, it's not going to disappear completely. No. Um, But where it's going, who knows? Yeah, very good. And I guess who would you sort of... We've you've obviously discussed lots of people here today, you know, mm. in this great in this uh, great discussion on the podcast. But who do you consider to be your mentors or your the people that you sort of look look up to in the highest regard? Um, I I don't think I like have anyone that I sort of you know you know I want to grow up to be that person or you know any mentors in that way. You know, I certainly you know, I'm inspired by a lot of people. Mm. Um, it's probably going to make anyone la- listening laugh, but um, I have to say probably the the only thing that would sort of fall in that category is the Kedrinbrook Business Group meetings okay. because really? I know I said you were going to laugh, but, um, you know, when I was starting my business, like the people there that had been running a business were invaluable with actual real, you know, relevant advice and I think that's sort of where you know I find something to look up to is you know the people that you're like okay yeah no they've actually made this work or they've been through this or they understand what I'm going through um yeah that's about the closest thing so yeah fair enough it's been great to have this discussion uh, on a Friday afternoon with you Kate um thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast I hope you had a really good trip in Japan recently that yes. sounded like a really good trip it was good uh, I saw a lot of pictures there I think you went to a lot of different places in Japan what, and what was your favorite um definitely Kyoto okay, um it's just beautiful so so Kyoto number one mm, definitely there thank you very much uh thanks everybody uh and uh we'll uh, see you next time thanks <laughs>